As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The U, the new Miami, the new Miami, the new Miami, surge, surge, the new Miami, the new Miami, the new Miami, surge, surge. It's a cane thing when we walk through, with the you ain't no bark, dude, straight dog when we bring the fight, ain't scared of no bright lights. Alright, welcome back to the Wide Ride Podcast, I'm your host, Miami Hurricanes beat writer for The Athletic, Manny Navarro. It's been a while, it is... Monday, December 27th. We're recording around 4.15 p.m. Of course, I've got uh, Carlos Ledo of the MIA All Day Podcast back with me. Carlos, how you doing, brother? Good, man. Uh, fresh, rested, belly full of chone that hopefully I'm, I'm processing slowly over the next couple of weeks. I don't <laughs> want it to go soon because it's, it was a delectable meal on the 24th. Yeah, we've uh, we've been eating well here at the Navarro House over the Christmas holidays. Um, we we ordered from a bakery near our house that does phenomenal, phenomenal pork, uh, con gris, yuca, platanitos, the whole Cuban uh, ritual, right? That that you have every single year uh, for Nochebuena. And then on Christmas Day, I actually threw down. I, I barbecued chicken. Uh, ribs, steaks, churrasco, like the whole thing. I was cooking for about three hours because I said to myself, I said to myself, I said, I got family here visiting from New York. I said, the last thing I want to do is spend all weekend cooking. So I'm just going to cook a shitload of food (laughs) and everybody can go to hell. Here you go. And here you go. It's done. It's it's in the Tupperware. When you guys are hungry, uh, just grab a a plate and just eat. So we've been having a good time here. Unfortunately for the Miami Hurricanes, that's uh, the end of the season happened last night when uh, the school announced that uh, they will not be going to the Sun Bowl. I had bought my plane ticket, had my hotel booked, the rent a car, the whole thing for El Paso. I was going to fly in on the 29th, two days before the game, um, be there for the press conference on the 30th between the coaches and then cover the game on the 31st, a 10 a.m. kickoff local time in El Paso, Texas. And. Of course, everything. Yeah, I'm sure you're very disappointed now that you uh, don't have to that, that you're not going to be able to spend New Year's Eve <laughs> in El Paso, Texas. Right. Uh, with uh, well, the the shotgun of fireworks at midnight. Right. Um, right across the street from Juarez, where, where you can get easily kidnapped if they wanted to take you. Um, no, I yes, I look going to bowl games is a fun experience. 
Um, for beat writers as well. And I've been to El Paso twice. Uh, Miami played there, uh, obviously against Notre Dame and Washington State. And, and being in the snow and all that, it's cool. But in the middle of this pandemic, dude, with, with COVID numbers soaring, uh, with the Omicron uh, variant, and it's just this isn't the, the time to do it, unfortunately. And so um, Miami pulled out of the game yesterday announced it after all the kids came back from Christmas break, they retested and they had a bunch of positives and it just got worse. You know, they, they, they were trying, they really were trying to play in this game. They wanted to be able to reward their players. Um, but unfortunately, uh, you know, I was told yesterday, midday, I said, how many guys missed practice last week? And the response I got from somebody on the staff was at least 20. <laughs> and I said, wow. well, that's not good. Yeah, they had at least 20 guys out, mostly on the offensive line and in the secondary. They were basically decimated. And the hope was that they were going to get some of these guys back, like, you know, because the the, the, the waiting period, I guess, was seven days. Um, and, and, you know, you'd be able to come back and be cleared and, and play on your eighth day. So they were like, even if some guys haven't practiced, we should be able to get some back. But unfortunately, there were more losses after the Christmas break, more positive tests. And, and the numbers in South Florida have been soaring. I mean, the Omicron variant yeah. is is easily spread. And so unfortunately um, the game gets canceled, but look in, in the grand scheme of things, Carlos, and I know you did a ton of research for the Washington state game. I feel terrible for you. Yeah, for you. man. Um, <laughs> thankfully, thankfully I only did the offensive side of the ball for Washington state and I was going to do uh, defense today and then maybe a little bit tomorrow, but yeah, uh, about a, a couple of hours of research went out the window thanks to the cancellation, but you know what? It is what it is. What are you going to do? Yeah. I, I didn't spend a second researching it. I felt like, <laughs> And I know it's terrible for me as a beat writer to admit that kind of stuff. But I, I honestly like to me, this game was all about was going to be all about Tyler Van Dyke and the offense. And how do they look without Red Lashley? And, uh, you know, which which guys do we see stepping up on the defensive side? Um, you know, it was kind of like a preseason NFL game when as a reporter, a guy who's covered that kind of stuff in the past. It's kind of like you're looking for elements. You're not looking for result necessarily. Right. But um you know, now they can they can all these guys who have been dinged up can have their offseason surgeries. Mario Cristobal can now hire, you know, go all in on hiring a staff. Rob Likens today, uh, you know, officially announced he was joining the staff at SMU, um, you know, over there with Rhett Lashley and Garen Justice. So now we got to see who they're going to hire as the offensive coordinator, what guys he's going to bring in with him. Um, you know, to, to this point, Carlos uh, and Mario Cristobal told WSVN, he spoke with Mike DePasquale. Of course, I go on, on Channel 7 Sports Extra. I'm one of their insiders um, for the Hurricanes. And, I, you know, last night they aired a one-on-one that he had with Mario for a few minutes. Just, you know, Mario's been busy meeting with players on the roster. Um, you know, he flew back to Oregon to move everything over here from, from, from out there. And then, you know, now he's going to start hiring coaches this week. Um, the guys that I know most likely on staff, the new strength coach, of course, who's going to be coming over from Oregon. Everybody right, knows Aaron Feld. Aaron Feld for his mustache. Uh, somebody on staff told me a little while ago, the defensive line coach, Joe Salavedra, is going to be uh, on the staff as well. Um, and then on the offensive side, obviously, Mirabal, the offensive line coach. And then, you know, the thought was McClendon would be coming as well, the receivers coach. But, you know, outside of that, everything else has just sort of been hearsay. And I don't want to get into all that because to me, we're going to get news this week. We're, there's going to be news between now and the, and the college football playoffs where, you know, where we're going to find out who's coming to Miami to be coordinators when they're going to get here, all that kind of stuff. It's going to happen. There's no reason to speculate. I don't have any exactly. names for you guys because Mario's keeping a lot of this close to the vest. I've, I've mentioned them in the past uh, in the last 
podcast I did with Bruce Feldman back on December 9th. Uh, we talked about guys he thought would be a good fit. Bruce is as tapped into the coaching circuit as anybody in college sports. And he'll probably be the guy to break some of this news uh, as far as hiring with Mario. But um, they're, they're going to be good staff members, Carlos. They're spending a boatload of money on the staff. Um, they're going to have the highest payroll in the ACC. So I'm not worried in the least of who they're going to hire. Yeah. And I mean, I, one of the things that I mentioned on Twitter uh, a couple of days ago was, you know, <clears throat> I, I whoever Mario hires, I'm going to trust because at the end of the day, even if it's somebody that's bringing back from Oregon, or even if it's somebody that's not a big name that he brings in to fill these coordinator positions and the position coach positions, he has basically a blank check from the administration to say, go, okay, go out there and get whoever you want and pay whatever you need to, to bring in the guy that you want on each of these spots. So if he hires someone that maybe is not a big name and he doesn't pay a huge amount of money for, but gives him a good salary, that means he trusts that person. He feels it's the best fit for what he's looking to do on a staff. Because one thing is to go out there and, yeah, just get a big name because they're a big name. But if they don't match philosophically in terms of what they want to accomplish, and if their personalities don't mesh, like if one guy, like Mario's a heavy recruiter and he's a grinder when it comes to that stuff. And if that guy he brings in as an OC or a DC doesn't want to do the same, that's not going to be a good match, right? And if mm -hmm. he wants to, do, he wants guys that develops players, right? So it can't just be a position coach that recruits. It's got to also be a guy that develops and teaches. So he has to feel comfortable with the all-around picture that person presents in terms of how he wants to build a staff and a program. So whoever he brings in, I'm going to trust him until he gives us reason not to trust him. Yeah, and, you know, <clears throat> I, I would say this about, you know, some of the staff members, too, in the recruiting department. Like, I think a guy like Brian Potter, his brother, uh, Edwin Potter, um, the late Brian Potter, his his brother, uh, Edwin, who's been on the recruiting staff for a while, I think he's in, in good standing. Him and um, Mario go back. Uh, many, many years. So I expect him. Uh, there's a chance Cooney uh, could stay mm -hmm. on staff as well. Um, you know, we'll see what happens with Demarcus Van Dyke. I know Travaris Robinson's name has been thrown out there as a guy who could potentially come back because he's a great recruiter. I agree. I think it's going to be guys who can can land talented players. Uh, Stephen Field worked for Mario at Oregon. He, you know, helped bring in Jaleel Skinner as part of the recruiting class. I know a lot's happened. I feel like we, we have so much to cover. I don't want to spend all day talking about it, though, because it's like, you know what? <laughs> it's I think I think there's one interesting thing about the way it looks like Mario is putting the staff together. So you've got Aaron Feld coming over as a strength coach from Oregon, a guy that he trusts that he's seen developing his players and help them grow into the, the men that he wants them to be on the field. The other thing is he, he's bringing in a guy like Salavea, the defensive line coach who's been a West Coast guy his whole career, basically, right? Mm -hmm. And he's done that with a couple other guys. If he brings more guys like that onto the staff and mixes them in with guys that have East Coast and South Florida ties, he's really opening up the map in terms of connections and opportunities to go into different recruiting bases across the country and draw the best players, not just from South Florida. He obviously wants to fence off South Florida if he can and do the best job recruiting the best players down here and be selective about that. But he also wants to open up the doors to other places in the country where he's had success drawing in some of the top talent. So he's not basically beholden to, hey, I got to get all the, the greatest guys here in South Florida. And if they turn me down, I'm screwed like it's been in the past down here. Yeah, I, I think I, I think you're right. I think there's a very from his perspective, from Mario's perspective. OK, and I've had conversations with Mario at different points throughout his life here as a coach uh, since he left Miami the first time to go to Rutgers and everything else. Mario's philosophy when it comes to recruiting is why get on a plane? You don't need to get on a plane in Florida when you have the talent that you have here. You, but the, the thing is, he's got to win the elite kids here because it's obvious that 
and you and I have talked about this on the show many times, that there's some kids here that are very overhyped that go to college and they don't yeah. end up living up to those expectations. So I think what it's what what it's going to come down to here for Mario, okay, and and who he hires and recruiting and the importance of it, it's going to be guys he knows that can that have great relationships with the the players down here and can keep them here. That will beat an Alabama head to head for a kid. That'll beat a Georgia head to head for a kid because of the relationships that they build with those kids. Manny Diaz's staff, you know, there were guys from all over. Garen Justice. I liked Garen a, a ton, but he's not from here naturally. He's a West Virginia guy. He's coached all over the place. Yes, he coached at FAU. Um, but from a recruiting perspective, I don't know that I don't know where he sort of built his relationships with kids. And I'm not trying to badmouth Garen. I'm just using him as an example. Right. Alex Mirabal's from Miami. He grew up down here. He's recruited here for Mario for years. He's got relationships in South Florida with players for years. That's what my point is. I think whatever direction he goes on his staff, it's going to be guys who can win in Florida and keep most of the hometown players here. Because while you, you are going to go around the country and get, you know, use, use a guy like Joe Salave who's been on the West coast the whole time to go get a player or two. I think the base is still going to be South Florida. I think you're going to see the majority of this roster be South Florida based kids. If they can get the elite ones. And if he's not getting the elite ones, then he's not going to win here. It's just not going to happen. Like, he, he will be another coach who fails here. So for Mario, he's going to have to have success down here. And I think he's going to prioritize on getting great recruiters on his staff here. So we'll see what happens with that um, in the, in the days and weeks ahead. Um, but as far as this roster is concerned and, you know, the one thing that's been encouraging Carlos is nobody's in the transfer portal. Yeah. Even with the change, I mean, all these weeks later, right. You think, well, a, a couple of these kids, they're going to get cold feet. They're going to say to themselves, I'm not going to stick here because I'm not going to play, blah, 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 blah. No, that's not the case at all. And I know it's still early. I know we haven't gotten through bowl season yet. There's still the college football playoff that has to take place. But as far as your own elite players, nobody is skipping town. And that's really, really good news. Yeah, and I think it's it's a product of two things. Number one, I think the guys that were going to leave that were maybe the older guys that felt that maybe there weren't going to be in the plans for next year, probably were going to hold off until the bowl game to try and show Mario what they got and give him one last uh, bit of tape to look at before he makes a decision on them. And I think the second part of that is everybody that's sticking around is doing so to get to that spring practice session, right, and, and have themselves an opportunity to audition and not only audition for Mario and show them what they can do, but also see what Mario's about. And see what this system is going to be like, what this program is going to be like moving forward and see if it's a fit for them. Because if they feel that maybe, hey, listen, this is not what I want to be a part of, because that culture is not for everybody. We've seen uh, it's kind of like the new culture that Mario's bringing in is a lot like what the Heat brought in under Pat Riley. Right. Being the most physical, best conditioned, nastiest, most disliked team in the NBA. That's the kind of thing that Mario wants to bring back, that physicality, that 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 hard work, that that accountability. Uh, in the program. And some guys aren't going to like that. It's not for everybody. And we've seen guys with the heat that have come in, been here a year or two, and they just can't handle that shit. It's too much. And that might be the situation with a lot of these guys once they get through the spring. It might not be Mario telling them to leave. They themselves might just raise their hand and be like, hey, it's the Navy SEALs. I'm ringing that bell and I'm getting out. Yeah. And, and that very well could happen. And, you know, I want to read a quote here in my story. I'm going to click on it here on theathletic.com. But Something he told Mike D. D. Pasquale from WSVN yet or, or last week while uh, when they did their one on one interview. But essentially, this was his his quote about, you know, working these guys out. 
um, you know, getting them ready for, for the offseason. He says, we don't shoot from the hip on anything. We have a lot of good players on this football team, and we will assess every single person. We'll do body fat, body comp, bone density. We'll do it all to make sure that we have a specific plan and a path for everyone in the program to develop. Look, I mean, it, it's going to be different. It's going to be different at Miami in a lot of ways. Um, you know, I like the, their strength coach, Feely. I thought he did a good job with these guys, getting them in great shape. Injuries happen, unfortunately. You know, uh, these trainers can only do so much, right, uh, to get these guys ready to play. But I, I like Feely, and he, I thought he did a good job getting these guys into the mentality of you have to be physically better. I mean, guys got better. Corey Flagg got skinnier. He lost weight, yeah. right, in that first year. I mean, there's other examples. Devon Donaldson lost some weight. He he started getting on the field and playing more. I mean, he was the guy was over 400 pounds. They got him back under 350 to play. Um, so it's not like – David Philly did a bad job, but, uh, you know, this is going to be Mario's team. It's going to have Mario's touch now uh, all over it. Here's another quote from my story. It's something he, he told uh, Mike DePasquale on WSVN. I don't think culture can be ever be a T-shirt tagline or slogan. People all the time ask, what's your slogan? I don't need a slogan. Why don't you get your butt up at 430 in the morning and get your butt to work? I don't think anybody's really focused on, hey, bring back the old days. We want to launch Miami into the future with a lot of those principles and values because great principles and values stand the test of time. This is not going to be Manny Diaz at all. <laughs> Taking the social media to, to put, come up with, with witty lines. I don't think we're going to see the turnover chain anymore. There's going to be a lot of things retired. I think here as he puts his fingerprints on this team. And that's really what matters here going forward. The bowl game would have been nice to play. Would have been nice to see Harley get one more chance. Would have been nice to see Tyler Van Dyke one more time, but all the cancellation of this bowl game does for Miami is speed up the crystal ball process and i'm yep. and i'm all for that yeah it just kicks off the mario crystal ball era immediately that's what we're doing right now um and i mean look at it look at the bright side at least it's not it's an opportunity for tyler van dyke to rest and not have an opportunity to get injured in the middle of a game that's really not going to mean anything mm -hmm. um it is sad for guys like harley and seniors that you've seen for a long time like amari carter uh it, it's really sad that jared williams in his 19th season as a college football player is not going to get to play one last game um, but yeah, there's guys that have been in the program for a long time that you wanted to see, get that send off and that wanted to play in this bowl game and not prepare for the draft or prepare for any sort of, uh, you know, senior games, uh, get that last opportunity. But at the end of the day, it is what it is, man. It's time to start the new era. It's time to move on. And I think with your, your point on Feely, Feely did a good job. I think over the last few years of, uh, you, we had injuries, but they weren't serious injuries. I think guys were available for the most part. Um, and he did a good job of getting them on the field and making sure their bodies were built strong enough to sustain the, the course of a season. But the one thing I thought that Feely may not have done a good enough job on, or maybe it's not his fault, but from what I saw is he built their bodies, but I didn't see a big sort of transition or a, a, an application on the field from a strength perspective. And I didn't see guys get more twitchy or faster through their, the building of that body. Like you said, Corey Flagg, built his body. He looked stronger. He looked leaner, but he didn't look any faster to me. He didn't look any quicker. Uh, right. Same thing with Navon Donaldson. He lost weight, but he didn't look stronger on the line of scrimmage. So yeah, I think he did a good job of building the body, but building that functional strength and speed to me seemed like it was lacking. And based on the way Mario's talking about the way he wants to run that strength program, where you're talking about bone density, body fat, and seeing all these things that he's measuring and all these quantifiable measures that he feels um, can be manipulated to create better performance that sounds like I said, like Pat Riley in the heat, and they're going to try and get the best they can out of these guys. It's not about how they look, but how they perform. Yeah, absolutely. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? 
Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Um, it, it, it'll be interesting. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, what these guys look like in spring, by the way, the first recruiting weekend looks like it's going to be January 14th to 15th, uh, where they're going to get, you know, some of these transfers and, um, freshmen who are unsigned on campus. I don't have a ready-made list for you guys. I put up, uh, you know, last week I put up a, a couple of names at the athletic website in our, in our, uh, real time section, um, as far as potential targets, um, some of them were FCS guys. I haven't followed up to see if they've signed anywhere yet or already transferred in, but let me see here. There was, a, it was mostly offensive and defensive linemen. And I want to be able to share some of it with you. If I can get this damn website to work, but one of them was an edge rusher who was like six, three, two fifty out of Albany. Yeah. The kid from Albany, right? Right. Um, who I know had visited Florida state and Miami was very interested in getting him on campus. I still think he's a high priority for them. Um, let me get the name for you. I had posted all this stuff last week. It's a shame the, uh, the tackle from FIU, he ended up at LSU now. Yeah. Not surprising. He was one of the top freshmen in the country. Jared verse, the edge rusher from Albany. Has he signed anywhere? Have you seen that? I don't believe so. I haven't seen that he signed. Okay. Another one was a Cornell offensive lineman, Hunter Nuzard. He was a right tackle. Um, and then of course, Jason Jones from Oregon, the defensive tackle is six, seven, three I don't know if these guys have signed anywhere. I haven't, I haven't kept up with the transfer portal. I haven't seen a whole lot of announcements related to Miami. Um, who else? Uh, well, they, they ended up getting Jacob Lichtenstein. Um, the USC defensive tackle was a fifth year junior. Uh, I know Mario was excited about this kid. He's uh, a kid that played at Cypress Bay. Um, Many years ago, he ended up missing like two years of football, one because of injury, the other one because of COVID. And then he came back this year and I think he started in eight games, had 28 tackles, six, six tackles for loss and four sacks. Um, and now he's coming back home for his last year. So Miami's going to get him essentially to replace John Ford at defensive tackle as a run stuffer, run, run plugger type. Um, but he can also get to the quarterback. I mean, four sacks from a D tackle is a pretty good number. Yeah. Um, and then uh, who else was the other name? Oh, Frank Ladson, this former South Dade receiver, receiver five-star. Yeah. Right. Who I, I've reached out to a couple of times. He hasn't responded to me on social media. It's just kind of like, hey, Frank, are you going to sign with Miami? When's it going to happen? I think Miami feels good about that. He's potentially like a Charleston Rambo replacement, you know, a veteran right. receiver who could come in and help uh, speed things up on the outside and, and, and be one of their top guys. So, those are the names that I had. I know Barry Jackson from the Herald did a whole article mentioning a bunch of other kids' names. I know 247 and Kane's. If you guys want to look all that stuff up, you can. I'm not going to get into it until 
you know, we get closer to the first visit weekend because a lot of it is just hearsay right now. And these kids, to me, a lot of them aren't going to sign with Miami until after they visit. So we will right. see in January and, and then, you know, those those three weekends leading into February, the early signing period. And then after that, I would say there's still even a chance after spring football, you could add guys because the transfer portal is going to load up again. So if you want all that information, you can go to those places. I'll be back with my own stuff and my own work. Man, he's uh, been too busy grilling and chilling over the last week. Yeah, I, I got too much chicken and, and steak on the grill to worry about, man. I've been enjoying. By the way, I saw just to get off topic for a minute. Have you, have you been watching Christmas movies at all with the family? Oh, dude, all I do is watch Hallmark movies with the wife. Okay, well, I and Christmas I, movies and Christmas movies. Well, I watched this uh, eight bit Christmas on HBO Max uh, with. Uh, oh, man, I wanted to see that. How was that? That Neil, I have not seen. Neil Patrick Harris and, and the you know, trying to get his first Nintendo and the whole thing. I just watched it now with the wife and the kids. Great flick, great family flick. So if you're looking for a good Christmas movie and you are, you know, I'm 43 years old. Carlos, what are you? 42, 43, 42. So, uh, you know, we're, we're from that era of the late 80s, uh, mid to late 80s growing up as kids. And this movie speaks right to your heart, right? When you wanted your, your, the original Nintendo system. Oh, man. And uh, can just I tell a you? great family story. I'm not going to give, give away anything, but I will tell you the ending is, not, is very nice, very heartfelt uh, finish to the movie. So I enjoyed it thoroughly. I, I, I want to watch The Matrix. I know The Matrix just came out. I haven't had a chance to see that. Have you? I have not. Okay. I was told it was meh. Yeah, my brother was not a fan of it. So at some point, I'm going to watch it. I just haven't had a chance. Um, yeah, I mean, we will see um, what else happens here in the in the in the few next few days ahead. But I wanted to come back with a podcast because I felt bad. Like I basically took away, took off on the ninth. I did my last podcast um, with Bruce Feldman then, and then I covered. I did a couple stories two weeks ago. One of them, I went to the state championships. That's the last one that I did where I went in person and I watched um, Wesley Besaint and Miami Central play in a blowout. They killed Merritt Island. But it was a cool little story. Roland Smith, um, you know. Uh, playing his ex-roommate, yeah. Yeah, played his ex-roommate in, in the championship game. And so I wrote that story. And then I basically was told, hey, you got a whole bunch of vacation you need to take. You know, like, why don't you take some vacation yeah. while Miami deals with COVID and we find out if there's a game. So. I just wanted to kind of check in back for the re- uh, for the listeners and the readers and, and put something out here before New Year's Day. One thing I will say, I did have a conversation with Rudy Fernandez, uh, of course, is the hero of uh, getting Mario Cristobal here and, and, you know, getting the administration, him and President Frank. Uh, he's President Frank's right hand man, um, getting them to spend all this money to make the changes at Miami. Um, and Rudy and I talked for a little while. I know there's the other story that's kind of been out. There's been this whole stadium thing. Right. Yeah. With John Rees and, you know, the, the local billionaire and how he's looking to see a location. Um, I can I can report. And I just talked to Rudy earlier today. He still has not. John Rees still hasn't spoken with anybody in Miami's administration. This is all just sort of his preliminary look at trying to build Miami a stadium. I can tell you this from talking to Rudy right now. What Miami is focused on is upgrading those locker rooms. Yeah. OK. And upgrading the facilities on campus. And Dan Radakovich the new athletic director will be driving down from Clemson, South Carolina with his family on January 1st. Uh, Dan met with us. I wrote an article uh, about, you know, his uh, hiring for the athletic a couple of weeks ago. It's on the website. Everything he kind of talked about with us. Dan's getting, getting what, two a year now? Yeah. He'll be making close to 2 million a year or a little. But over my guy, my guy's going to drive down from South Carolina, bro. Listen, ship the cars, ship the stuff, get on a plane. 
He is going to be driving down. Listen, these are old school people. Dan is in his 60s. He's 63 years old, I believe. Um, you know, you do it the old fashioned way. You get it. You get, you know, uh, your truck loaded up. You drive down with your family in the car. You haul in the back. Yeah. I mean, that he that's how he rolls, man. Like, he's cool like that. Um, like if, if he's doing that and I'm imagining him kind of like Clark Griswold in the first movie, uh, in the first National Lampoons where he's in the station wagon. Mm-hmm. And they're dragging all this stuff going to Wally World, and they eventually forget that they're dragging the dog in the back. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. it's dangerous when you do this kind of stuff, man. You may even forget you got grandma tied to the roof. Um, so listen, I prefer flying. Dan sweats we- a lot. Um, I, I saw him during the press conference. I went, I went to you for the introductory press conference, and they had those hot lights on him. And he's just like, Hey man, these lights, uh, I just he was dying, he was sweating. I'm like, Dan, man. I go, wait till you come back here and you're, you know, it's 90 degrees in like May or June. You're going to be dying. Like he's like, tell me about it, but he's ready for the challenge, man. He's invigorated. He's Carlos. He's really excited about taking over this program as athletic director and giving Mario Cristobal everything that it takes to win a championship. And I can tell you going to ACC media days, meeting the new commissioner, like everybody in the ACC Okay, maybe not the not the opponents of the Hurricanes, but everybody in the ACC is excited that Mario Cristobal and then Radakovich are down here. Like they view this as, hey, 17 years after Miami joined the ACC, this might be the power couple that makes this thing legit. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's been, uh, believe it or not, Miami's been a sleeping giant, right? Because it, it, a lot of the success was built off, um, you know, just what Howard was able to develop with the recruiting strategy down here and then carried over by Jimmy and by Dennis Erickson and then Butch eventually and, and getting it back to where it was. And then it dropped off again, but none of it was supported by administration in the past. None of it was supported as Mario says, when the arms race in college football started were facilities and, and giving players a more a life after football feel, making them feel comfortable at home and giving all these creature comforts to where they felt like this is a place they wanted to be for four years. All those things that other colleges started doing in Miami just didn't, didn't follow suit or did so on the cheap and it came out looking kind of crummy. Um, they're now starting to refocus themselves. So not only do they have the, the weight of the brand that's been established by the former players and the performance of the past on the field, but now they're trying to get the facilities to match the history and the legacy and, and be something that's worthy of that legacy, right? When you walk in a locker room and you see something, you should see something that reflects a five-time national champion that reflects all these guys in the NFL that reflects all this history instead of what you've seen in the past. And I think they're going to get there. And that to me, like you said, is more important than a stadium right now. Yeah. And I think it's, it's making Miami look like one of the elite teams, like right. the indoor practice facility, the new football offices, all of that stuff is great. Cause that was all built within the last two or three years. Right. They just finished spending millions on all that kind of stuff, but the hecked athletic center, getting that to have a facelift now, even more so than it was 10 years ago, 15 years ago when they first started working on that. Um, that is going to be, I think, their initial project, that in the locker rooms at Miami, upgrading it to elite levels. That's the first step. And Radakovich is a builder. That's what he was at Clemson. He built um, this great program around Davo Sweeney. And I think that's that. those are the initial steps. Miami will always be interested in the stadium. But they've, as, as Rudy told me this morning, the lease is another 11 years. And I right. asked him, I said, well, how much would you guys have to pay to get out of this lease? And he says, he, you know, he doesn't know. He'd have to sit there. He'd, be, he'd have to be negotiating. Astronomical. But the, but the whole point is, you know, it's great that John Ruiz wants to buy a stadium. But for the fans who are getting all excited about this, 
we haven't even gotten to the phase where him and school officials are talking. Like once they talk and that and then that you start hearing locations and all that, then it becomes more real. Right now, I think it's a dream. It's a guy who is very excited about giving money to the school. I've listened to him. I've gone to these Twitter spaces, him and his son. Um, I've listened to them, the passion they speak with. They, you know, they took a helicopter. They viewed, you know, the city of Miami, flew over it, looked at a bunch of different locations. They're going to, you know, they're they say they're invested in spending a lot of money to make this happen. But I think we need to understand what phase we're in. And right now we're like not even in infancy. We're like in uh, premature infancy because until the university and John Rui speak, until there's sort of an agreement of how this is going to be worked out. Um, I just, I just, you know, we're very, parents, very, very early. The parents of the stadium are still on Tinder trying to find each other is what we're saying. Right. That's all I'm trying to say. And we haven't some, even consummated the relationship. Yet. At some point they will. But I, I just, you know, for everybody out there who's like, oh, did you hear they're building a new stadium? It's like, no, dude, like we're, they're looking about and discussing where they may be building a new stadium. But the reality is uh, the university and, and we still haven't even spoken. So until we get to that point and we can say, hey, they spoke and this is what they think, you know, we're, we're still in those infant and I think stages. The, the best way to invest money right now is to get the most immediate impact or return on the investment that you can, right? Because you want to make an impact in recruiting and talent acquisition and facilities as quickly as you can to build the brand and make it more attractive for recruits. So not only build those locker rooms and re-up the Hex Center and all that stuff on campus, but I think if you've got this lease, this lease for 11 years left at Hard Rock mm-hmm. and you've got your own separate locker room, separate from the Dolphins and everything else, that's the Hurricanes locker room, upgrade that as well. Make that look as good as it possibly can for these players because it's your space to use. If you go on YouTube and you find all these other tours of facilities and stuff like that, one that I found interesting was the UNLV facility tour because UNLV shares the stadium with the Raiders now in Vegas. Um, and the Raiders allowed them to pimp out their section of the locker room and make it their own, make it their home. And I think the Hurricane, although they didn't do a great job of it, but I think the Hurricane should also look at that and make it, you know, like if it's an on-campus stadium and give it all that feel in that locker room as if you were on campus. Because at the end of the day, dude, you're playing in a elite level NFL stadium that hosts Super Bowls. That's a recruiting tool as well. Yeah, it's not an on-campus stadium, but you can't walk out from the practice facility and go into your stadium or go from class right into the stadium. But I mean, at the end of the day, there's advantages and disadvantages to both. Yeah. And, and, and I'm interested to see, you know, how Miami fundraises for this because John Reese's money, uh, certainly they'll happily take that. Right. But at the same time too, um, you know, this is a big project and you got to pay a lot of people off right in the city of Coral Gables or wherever you do this. Uh, it, it's, it's a big undertaking. So we'll see where it goes. But right now I can tell you that the priority for Miami right now immediately is locker rooms, and the Hecht Athletic Center. Those are going to be the first projects that they tackle here um, in the in the weeks, months ahead. And for Mario, it's signing a staff, getting those guys in place. I got to imagine, Carlos, that part of the reason we've seen such a delay in this um, is because some of these guys are coaching, uh, potentially in the playoff. Uh, and so, you know, you don't, you're not going to hire assistant coaches until you have your coordinators in place because they're going to want their own guys at certain spots. So, I, I, I tend to believe that some of these targets for Miami are guys that are involved coaching in the college football playoff. Or so, another bowl game, or even in the NFL. Correct. Um, but we'll hopefully have answers soon. I think uh, things are taking shape. 
hopefully by the next podcast, maybe it's not next week, but the week after we can sit here and discuss some of these hirings, discuss uh, the visitors on the first weekend, who's coming in, who are the legit guys that are going to be coming in and really considering Miami, not just taking a joyous trip in January to South Florida, stay out of the the cold or wherever they're from. Um, So it'll be interesting. Carlos, uh, I appreciate you coming on with me. Any final thoughts here? Who do we give? Let's let's do this. Let's give a couple of awards out because now the season's over, right? We can give awards. Who was Miami's 2021 overall MVP? All right. So the obvious answer would be Tyler Van Dyke, but I'm going to pick a guy that played every game just because uh, that's probably more fair. So I'm going right. to go with Charleston Ramble. Excellent selection. I agree with you. I think he deserves the overall team MVP award was the most consistent performer from beginning to end. Tyler Van Dyke, without question, ACC rookie of the year. Um, he's going to be the best player on the team next year going into the season. Oh, but, absolutely. but um, if you, if you're being fair about this, Tyler only played really the last, what, seven, eight games. Um, and you have to give it to somebody like Rambo who was there from the start and, and consistently good from the start. I agree. All right. What about, since, since we're giving overall team MVP um, to Rambo, who is your defensive uh, most valuable player? Ooh, very good question. That's, that's a little, that's a little difficult. I would probably have to go uh, with either Tyreek Stevenson, uh, who I think was the most consistent player in the secondary. I think, believe it or not, Zach McLeod had a really good season. Um, at the end of the day, I think Zach McLeod should be in there. And if you're going to pick one of the young guys, I would pick uh, Cam Kitchens. Yeah, I, I agree with uh, defensive rookie of the year. I would say Cam Kitchens is that guy. Um, but if we're going to go on consistency, overall grade, who, who performed the best week in and week out, I think Stevenson is the best player. And by the way, I, I was told this a couple of weeks ago, 95% chance he comes back. He's having sh- shoulder surgery or had shoulder surgery. Um, I think there's still the possibility that if he's healthy, he might consider making the jump to the NFL. But if he comes back, that's definitely going to help Miami secondary. That would be huge. That would be huge because they're, they're still lacking in the secondary. And I don't know, you know, I, I don't trust DJ Ivy. Um, although he played well towards the end of the season, I still don't trust him. I think DeCorey Couch is going to have to move to like a nickel nickel corner. Um, and he played pretty bad towards the end of the year. Um, Marcus Clark, I think can be something, but we still have to see him develop. He had a couple bad games at the end of the year and we don't know what we have in Malik Curtis or really Isaiah Dunson. And, and there's a lot of gaps and a lot of holes. There. There's a lot of freshmen coming in next year. And, and to have Tyreek Stevenson there to steady that secondary, especially at the corner spot would be huge. Absolutely. All right. I, I would give away a special teams award, but I think you, 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 you know, at this point you, you probably just give it to Lou Headley. He's, and he's another guy. I don't know for sure that he's leaving. You know, we haven't. Oh, heard they just said he announced that he's coming back. He announced he's coming back. So there you go. Yeah. He, he announced he's coming back. So there you go. So you, he will be back. I, I, I thought Borgales' brother did a good job as a freshman. I know he missed the, the, the game winner against Virginia. But I, look, he's a freshman. I, I, I still think Manny Diaz should have tried to score a touchdown there. But that's just me. Anyway. <laughs> Happy New Year to you guys. Appreciate you tuning in to the Wide Ride Podcast. Like I said, we will be back, obviously not on a weekly basis as we were during the regular season, but we will be back to talk uh, hurricanes with you. Certainly the new staff hirings, as I said, recruiting as we get closer to to the uh, other signing day. Carlos, I appreciate all your time, brother. It was fun. Make sure to listen to him at the MIA All Day Podcast. Final thought? Uh, Final thought, man. It was a crazy season. 
I mean, uh, you started off extremely rocky. You lost to Eric King, and things looked very bleak uh, going into ACC play, especially losing their first two games. But for them to turn things around and have this sort of discovery unearthing of Tyler Van Dyke, um, see the offensive line turn things around from a pass protection perspective, see Jalen Knighton blow up uh, and do some some special things. You know, that was great for the offense to see the defense, you know, still be bad, but find its way and, and show some flashes with some of those guys like Cam Kitchens, James Williams, um, and, and Avante Williams towards the end of the season gives you hope for the future. Uh, I think there's still, listen, let's be honest. There's a lot of work to be done with this team. Uh, Mario's not stepping into a ready-made playoff contention situation. That defense has a lot of holes, um, but he can come in here and build it to his image. And I think there's a bright future for Miami ahead. I don't think there's many seven to five seasons uh, in the future. I think it's only upward from here, thankfully, thanks to the way they finished the season and now with Mario coming in. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, I think there's going to be high expectations put on this football team for next year because of Tyler Van Dyke coming back. I think obviously there are huge holes on defense. I think edge rusher is a big one. They need to find a consistent guy who can get to the quarterback. Otherwise, they're going to have trouble winning big games. They play Texas A&M and Clemson on the road next year. Those are going to be two really tough challenges. And I think there's going to be pressure on Mario based on the contract that he just signed and the amount Mm -hmm. of money that he's going to have to, to hire coaches to deliver. He cannot win eight games next year. He's got to win nine or more. And I think he's got to get Miami into the ACC championship game or people are going to be calling year number one with this quarterback uh, a failure. And that's fair. Those are high expectations. That's why Mario took the job. But I think the days of us sitting here saying, eh, maybe they'll win eight games next year. Maybe Manny will get them over the hump eventually. Those days are over. When you spend money the way the University of Miami does and will going forward, and you're upgrading the facility. This is a new era of big time football for the Miami Hurricanes. And I think if you were you and I were to go back to a year ago and 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 think to, to what we were talking about at that point, right? With everything that went on last season with COVID and Manny Diaz, the way they finished the season, losing to North Carolina, they were going into the Oklahoma State game um, in the bowl game and then losing De'Ara King. Just think about what's happened in the last 12 months, the transformation this program has made. What's happened over the past month alone, hiring Mario, the money that they promised. I mean, this is this is if you're a Hurricanes fan, this is a dream come true. Like your program is at a different level now and the expectations are real. They're no longer flimsy. So that's the New Year's resolution for me. Okay, and the Hurricanes is uh, the New Year's resolution has to be point blank. Don't lose any more bad games. That has that that era has to be over for the Hurricanes. 
But now, listen, they like you said, they've put the money up. They've wanted they now want to consider themselves an elite program from a funding standpoint, from a resources standpoint, from their coaching staff. Now they have to show that on the field as well. And like you said, you can't lose bad games. But let's look at Mario's history. man. I'm not trying to listen. I love Mario. I think it's a great hire. But look at the history. There's always one loss in there. You're like, how the hell did this happen? Stanford. Um, And you're like, I mean, this is an unranked team. Why they should be blowing them out. So it's not going to be perfect. I, I don't want everybody to feel like, yeah, it's going to be 12 and 0 every season in the regular season, right to the college football playoff, especially right off the bat. There's going to be some fits and starts. It's going to be some ups and downs and progress isn't necessarily linear. It's not a straight line forward. Sometimes it takes a little dip and pops back up. And that's what we saw at Oregon with them, but they, people have to be patient. And I, I worry that, um, if it's not immediate success, that people are going to start turning on Mario right away, which is what was one of my concerns when, before he got hired was, you know, this poor guy's going to come on here. He's going to put this cape on. He's Superman. He needs the savior to everybody. And the minute he loses a game, let's say he loses by 20 to, to Texas A&M to start the season and then loses again by seven to 14 against Clemson, people are going to jump down his throat because he can't win the big game already. Um, so it's, there's, there's a lot that goes into this. And, and my question, I asked you and Kelvin once uh, via text, that that what if this guy turns out to be Jim Harbaugh? Would that be okay with the fan base? Hey, Jim Harbaugh's got him in the playoffs this year, right? But after how many years? <laughs> it might it might take him that long. Who knows? That's I what think- I'm saying. I mean, it would be cool. Like that's that's way more success than we've had over the last 17 to 18 years. But is that enough? Eventually, the championships are expected here. But I I think from the administration's perspective, that's not something that they think is going to is that far away, like eight years away. I think they'd see it more as four or five years away. Yeah, and I think they they saw the example of Dabo Sweeney, who's not, you know, the greatest game day coach, um, which has his faults and his flaws. What he did with a an ACC that basically put up zero resistance against him um, and started winning recruiting battles and stacking talent and had really good assistance, what that turned into. And now that you're seeing those assistants leave, and the chinks in the armor start to be revealed with Clemson. Now there's an opportunity for Miami to step in and do the same thing and flip it on them and become that beast in the ACC. By the way, I, I was about to end our podcast and I realized I did send out a, quest, uh, a request for I was going to say, I'm surprised nobody to... asked any questions on Twitter. I saw it on Twitter. I just realized that I said, oh, my God, I'm going to cut this off. All right, let's just sip, let's go through these quickly. All right. Um, all right, here we go. This is from David Engelson. Uh, Coach Cristobal had to take a ton of flights to recruit elite players to play for Oregon. Any information how he's attacking recruiting differently with a much larger talent pool within driving distance? Feedback from high school coaches, Cristobal's style versus Manny's. Um, any information how he's attacking differently with a much larger talent pool within driving distance? Yeah, I, I think he doesn't believe that he needs to get on a plane to recruit. I think he feels like you can recruit in South Florida. We've discussed this one. And recruiting I mean, style, I would imagine like Manny driving a Prius to local schools. And then now I imagine Mario pulling up like in a souped up F-250 right. um, on, on big tires and blasting bass and, and just looking rough as he walks in. Right. I think and feedback from coaches, I'll say this. I think all of them have a respect for Mario that's different than they had for Manny. And that is Mario won championships as a player. And Mario had success at Oregon. Manny never did at Miami. Just didn't. Yep. He didn't. Um, I'm as excited for the future of the program as anyone, but I keep thinking how good 
could the team be with the current roster, given that we'll have a full complement of analysts and high dollar coaches, any insight from Cristobal and company on what they think they can do next season. I think based on the quarterback that they have, they feel that they can win the ACC. Yeah. And I think if they're, it also, to me, it depends on what they're able to get on the portal to fill those gaps on defense. I mean, I think at least 10 and two is, is well within reach. All right. This is from uh, Gucci Fiji water prime on Twitter. Uh, wow, there... is that, this guy getting sponsored by like 15 different brands and putting Gu- it in the handle? Yeah, Gucci underscore Fiji water. And he's got a picture of Prime uh, as his uh, logo, uh, Deion Sanders. Should there be concerns that it seems like Mario's mainly hiring his old staff at Oregon, who mostly only have ties to the West Coast with this amount of money to spend on staff are these lazy hires? I wouldn't call them lazy hires. I think these are hires that a Mario feels strongly about as far as them being good recruiters. And then I would also say, um, I, I think, you know, there is something to building a staff that's not easy. Like there's not a bunch of great coaches available out there that, you know, that you can just go and pluck anybody off the uh, off of somebody else's roster. Like the fact that these guys coach with him in Oregon and they were part of Pac-12 championship teams like that's really good. Like to me, they're already better than what Miami's had here in the past. Um, and yes, they are West Coast guys and that helps. But I also think there is something to being able to recruit anywhere, go into any neighborhood. And, and I think these guys have that cachet where they could do that. And I think there's there's a couple of things. A lot of people think that just because Miami has money now and it's Miami that they can get anybody they want. Not everybody wants to be down here. Not everybody wants to coach here. It's not for everybody. Um, and I think the other thing about the staff that we should take into account is Mario is very good at building staffs. It goes back to FIU. Look at the staff he put together at FIU and look where those guys have gone. Those guys are all major division one coaches. Some have become head coaches. He knows how to find coaches that not only fit what he wants to do, but they're good at what they do. And uh, I I would trust him with building the staff. Yeah, maybe he's going to have to take on some guys from Oregon, but maybe he's doing that because he's interviewed other people and seeing that what he hired over there is better than what he's coming across right now that's available or that he can bring over. So I'll trust him on it for now. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm not worried. And, and I don't think he's doing any lazy hires. That's not Mario at all. That's not his style, no. Uh, this is from Rarely Do It, uh, TT Co. Makati on Twitter. I thought Jess Simpson did a great job during his times in Miami. The Georgia Pipeline NFL experience was a selling point. Was it mutual on making a change in the defensive line coach? I have no idea. I, I think Jess Simpson... Um, you know, he left Miami the first time because he was going to the NFL to coach and he liked coaching in the NFL. Um, I think he was a Manny Diaz guy. He liked working for Manny. I just think it's, you know, every head coach comes in with his own thought process. Uh, I, I would like to get to the bottom of that, uh, question at some point. I don't have a, a full answer. Um, all right. This is from Al Gauthier, 508 Kane fan on Twitter. What new year's resolution have you ever kept longer than a month? Uh, drink as much beer as I can. Uh, for me, it was cutting out soda. I think I did it for four months and then I fell back into it. I had to have the caffeine in my system. I mean, does Diet Coke count? No, that's cheating. Um, this is also from Al Gothier. Has Coach Mario changed out of his suit yet? What portal exits can be expected to happen? Listen, I hope you change out of that suit because if not, that thing's going to be funky and walking by itself. So, uh, Mario, uh, please hope you freshened up. He did. T- he did change out of that suit. What portal exits can be expected to happen? I say anybody who is OK, I would say this. There might be some wide receivers on here at, at Miami who could end up going to SMU with Rob Likens if they were rotational guys at the bottom of the rotation. 
Right. That could happen. Um, same thing with offensive linemen, guys that that maybe weren't playing that Garen Justice wants to take with them. I, I those are the kind of guys I could see leaving. Guys who have relationships with coaches who who tell them they're going to play. It's the same thing that happened with Ephraim Banda, right? He yeah. took a couple guys with him to Utah State. It's going to be relationship driven. Um, this is from David Hernandez D Hernan on Twitter. Thoughts and opinions about the potential coaching staff and scheme. We've kind of talked about that. I think scheme wise, you know, Mario's a guy who was running the three, four out there um, with this uh, Oregon team. I don't know that he has a defense alignment to run that here yet. So I still think they, they run well, the four, three. Strangely enough, he started off when he took the head coaching job, he inherited that, that three, three scheme that they had before. Then he went to a four, two, five with the, uh, the guy that's now the head coach, I believe at Boise state, right? That was his defensive mm-hmm. coordinator. And now with DeRoyter, he had a mixed hybrid three, three front, four front defense where they went both back and forth. Um, I think his preference, especially with the talent down here, is to go with a four-two-five. But we'll see. He said he wants to be multiple, and I think what he means by that is kind of like Spolstra says with the team, they want to have guys that can play every position, positionless basketball. He just wants to throw a bunch of werewolves out there, aside from the defensive line, and be able to mix and match and play in it. This is from Francisco Anton Anton SM sixty sixty six seventy zero one one. That's a long name. What impact seniors that were thinking of going to the draft do you think may return? Well, Tyreek Stevenson's one. I think Nessa Silvera is another. Um, I think both those guys could come back. Zion Nelson um, could come back. Nobody's declared yet outside you of the think Donaldson Donaldson comes back? I, uh, no, he's out of eligibility. He's got to go. He's out. He didn't. He doesn't have the extra COVID year. Or this was no. the extra COVID. This year. extra was. This was the okay. extra COVID year. Yeah. DJ Scape. He could come back, yeah. I don't think any of these guys are draftable. I mean, I wrote about that, that. There was three guys that essentially were draftable, you know, during <laughs> the season, according to the guys that I spoke to. And Charleston Rambo at the time wasn't. This was during the middle of the season. You know, he was the guy that they wanted to see more as far as special teams. So I don't – nothing – No, I haven't gotten any buzz, per se, f- from scouts yet saying, hey, this guy's, you know, value shot through the roof. I think John Ford gets drafted because he's a big defensive tackle who's, who's a run stuffer probably late seventh Third round day maybe yeah yeah um you know if nelson decides to go he's a third day three guy um rambo's probably a day three guy and bubba bolden maybe a day three guy as well i mean that's basically it and then De'Ara king depending on what he does you know if he plays receiver or whatever in the in the uh shrine game I would think that he would have a chance, but you know, I'm not sure if he, if he's moved to receiver yet, or if he's still playing quarterback, but um, all right. Uh, this is from Sam Knowlton. What's a realistic view of what the program looks like one year from now, next bowl season. Hmm. It's a good way to wrap it up. We have other stuff, but. You want to hold that one and get a couple other ones in the other ones. Let's see. Has anyone asked Mario about Miami's uniforms? Will he want multiple options like Oregon? No, I haven't asked him. Will Ed Reed still have a role on the team? I don't think so. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to good to you as well. That's from uh, Wingfoot. Happy New Year to you, Wingfoot. Uh, what do you know about new coaches that are being hired? Don't know yet. Uh, here we go. This is from Daniel Townsend. Uh, I live in Hampton Roads, Virginia. I saw Percy Harvin in high school just run around everybody and be ridiculous. What's the best high school player you ever saw that you had? That had you going, okay, this dude's career isn't going to end at college. You go first. He want to know your opinion as well, Carlos. So there you go. Frank Gore. Frank was amazing. Yes. I saw Frank Gore live and I was like, this is the best running back I've ever seen in my life. 
I would say Frank Gore and Andre Johnson were the two offensive players that I saw that I said for sure these guys are going to be in the NFL and maybe in the Hall of Fame one day. The other one was Willie Williams on defense for me. Yeah, I saw Lamont Green for me uh, when he played at Southridge was like that too. All right. Um, Who is your favorite to get the DC slash OC position? Kane's fan, Duke. Crystal Ballin on Twitter. (laughs) Um, I'm going to say Glenn Schumann for defensive coordinator from Georgia, just because I know he interviewed Mario last year and he's in a co-defensive coordinator type role over there at Georgia. Now I think there's a chance Miami gets him. And then on offense, I think it's going to be Kendall Bryles, but Again, this is no intel that I've had. Nobody's telling me this is what's going to happen. This is just my thoughts on who's available and what what potentially could happen. I'm good with that. I'm good. I'm good with Schumann. I'm 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 good with Bryles. Um, you know, I, I'm not 100 percent sold on Bryles, but I'll take him if that's what Mario thinks is best for the offense. Mm-hmm. Um, I know Mario likes to run a lot of uh, 11 personnel, which is one back, one tight end. He likes to be a little bit more power with his run game. But, you know, maybe it's a good thing that bring in, he brings in Kendall Browse. The other thing that concerns me about Kendall Browse is um, he tends to have his best offenses with running quarterbacks, with guys that he could use in the run game, because his ground game in the offense is very predicated about having that quarterback as a threat in the run game. And the times that he's faltered a little bit, like back at FSU, he didn't have that option and his office didn't flow as well as it normally did in other places. So I don't know if he's the right fit necessarily with the current talent that we have. He'd be great for a guy like Ja'Curry Brown, um, but I don't think Tyler Van Dyke is that kind of quarterback, or even Jake Garcia, that he could use in the ground game like he likes to. I think he's going to have to adjust his offense to be able to fit this, this personnel. KYK23 is the one that asked about uniforms. Uh, Nick, he's Nick Strong on Twitter. Nick, I'll, I'll ask at some point. I don't. I, Mario may get mad at me and like spit at me if I ask him a silly question about uniforms. And yes, I know he was at Oregon where they had a, every single one, but that's not the kind of stuff he worries about. But I, I think it's... He's open to it, at least from what he's what you saw at Oregon. Right, right. I, and I think, you know, Miami, look, it, to me, it's not even so much what the coach wants. It's Adidas. It's the shoe deal. It's what do they want to do with the uniforms and how do they want to make money and make profit off this? They're the ones who come to them with, you know, their ideas. Nike, obviously, for Phil Knight, Oregon was his passion. He loved Oregon football. So he was going to use, you know, he was going to do everything he can for them. Miami's a different situation. They're with Adidas. They're just one of the Adidas schools. So it's how Adidas wants to use them more than anything else. And I think that's more on Dan Radakovich putting pressure on Adidas to live up to their commitment to make Miami the Oregon of Adidas. Right. All right. And then we'll, we'll wrap it up. And I apologize. I know everybody wanted me to get to every single question, but these, the, you know, this is. He's got more so chicken waiting to be grilled. He's got more churrasco in the fridge. I got more stuff to do, baby. I got my, my six-year-old's dying. And I, and I, and, and I almost forgot this segment. I'm so glad that I looked at Twitter for a minute and realized that's right. I did ask. And there's a bunch of questions here waiting for me. All right. This was from Sam Nalton. What's a realistic view of what the program looks like one year from now, next bowl season. Let's just put a prediction down, Carlos. Um, what is Miami's record? Next season at this time, and what bowl game or position do you think Miami is in with Mario Cristobal? I think they are 10 and 2. They win the ACC championship and they're in the Orange Bowl. Very lofty goals. Um, I, 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 to be different, I'm going to say they are 10 and 3. They lose the ACC championship game to Clemson. And they are in, and I don't know which bowl games host next year, the semifinals, but they're in one of the New Year's Six bowl games because Clemson makes it into the makes it to the playoff. 
ahead of Is the Orange Bowl part of the playoff? Because I met the Orange Bowl as the ACC championship tie-in. Yeah, but each every year the rotation of who hosts the semifinals right. changes. So I So you believe they lose to Clem, Clemson twice possibly next year? I, I think they beat Clemson in the regular season, but lose to them in the rematch. And I they, think it's the other way around. Okay. I think Miami gets better as the year goes on just because they're going to have this transition in coordinators and system and style. And I think it's going to take a while for the team to adjust. And I think one of the things you're going to see early on is the offense might look a little ugly to begin with because it's going to be a big change in terms of how they run things. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think as the season goes on, they're going to start clicking and getting it right. I I still think they win 10 games at this point and are planning to play in a major bowl game. And I think Mario has a top 10 recruiting class. I think they're – I think they have potentially a top five recruiting class based with, based on what this kind of season Tyler Van Dyke has the, the way the offense looks at the end. I think they're going to have a bunch of really good receivers lined up to come here. I, I think they're going to be in a great position to potentially make the playoff a year from now or two years from now. Right. Yeah. I think two years but, from now is probably the, the time, but I think Dabble and I know Dabble lost his coaching staff and everything else, but uh, I still think Clemson is the, the cream of the crop. For, for the ACC, they have a good recruiting class again this year. He just needs a quarterback. He'll get one. He'll get one in the portal. You think? Yeah. He'll get a quarterback. Yeah, because I don't trust Angelina. Their defensive line is still the best defensive line in the conference, and that's that's going to be a factor. I mean, listen, I know they lost three games this year, but, you know, they're, this, they're not the kind of program that's going to be, quote-unquote, down for long. Like I still think Dabble gets them back into the position where they win the ACC championship and Miami's right there. I think you're going to be feeling good about Miami next year. Like even if they lose three games, like you're still going to be like, okay, this dude's got, got them going where we wanted to go. Yeah. Cause they didn't get smoked probably uh, against Texas A&M or Clemson. It was probably a battle each game. Yeah. I could see that happening. So I just think defensively, you know, depending on who they hire, how quickly they can get some more players in here. But I think they're in a very, very, very good position. And I think right, I think next year at this time, what we're talking about is should Tyler Van Dyke go pro or should he stay? I think that's the conversation. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. All right. That's my realistic opinion and view. That's the mailbag. We did a mailbag after all that. So Look at there that, we man. go. We almost cut the show off four different times, but you got through it. We got it done. We still did it in an hour. Mike Zimmerman, thank you for editing and producing this. Carlos, thanks for being on with me. Happy New Year to everybody. We will see you in 2022. Five, four, five, six, eight. This is the state of Miami. Y'all know y'all come down that way.